Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas and I'm feeling the fever. I'm feeling the footy fever. Footy is back, people, and it is a joy to have it back because there's only so many times I can show my kids the 1995 grand final where we watch the greats of Silvani Diesel, former planning minister Justin Madden, or as my son just said, Daddy, is Fraser Brown still playing? The answer is no, but fuck, I wish he was. So one person one person who loves footy, uh, probably even more than I do, and he came late to it, is my podcast husband, Durok Jayasinghe. Hello, hubby. Good to see you. Good. Uh, thank you. That, that, uh, it's an exciting football uh, 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 intro that you gave there because, yes, our guest, my God, I'm so excited about this as a Hawthorne supporter myself uh, because we have broadcasted from the ABC, from the podcast, out of sanctum. But most excitingly for me, Hawthorne Football Club's number one ticket holder, Emma Rez! Oh, hang on. Let me put my scarf on as well. Hang on. I got the Hawthorne scarf in. There we go. Oh, dear. Oh, we're very, we we're very proud to have you in the family, Dill. It's very nice, and also I got to say, there, Emma, at the background there, there's a uh, a jumper with your name on it, uh, and it says number one, which yeah. is really exciting. But from my perspective, I'm seeing number one race, and that really worries me because. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I know. So surname race, it actually is kind of problematic at the moment. There's some stuff going down. My name's in a lot of headlines. It's I not know, good. I know. Does that ever oh. like you're sort of reading a sentence and, and you see it and you sort of interpret it as a, as your surname? Like, I don't know, like... Mostly around Melbourne Cup time, usually, to be really honest. The race that oh, stops the, the nation. My sisters and I, races. you know, and- we really <laughs> fight over that one. But yeah, it uh-huh. has been challenging the last couple of days. Uh, but I'm not going to be a Karen about it and say that this is an issue that I'm actually yeah, yeah. dealing with. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. This is, this is um, your struggle. <laughs> it, but it does sound like something we've made up. I, I didn't love my surname growing up and I've grown into it and I wouldn't have changed yeah. it because um, well, it, my husband's where- surname is wouldn't have gone with my first name so I'm I'm lucky oh you're right how would you even say that so your husband's last name is Ma so, so my M-M-M-A. name would have been Manamana I think you should totally do that Emma Emma and that's like your kids asking who's your mama Emma Ma oh my god that is so funny Oh my god! Yeah, I. Uh, it's nice. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. So the way this almost came about is I was doing something for you uh, for the Hotel Football Club over um, uh, Zoom or something, and uh, uh, we uh, said it was going to be a five-minute chat, a quick one, just to record something for the club, and then we did that, and then you and I ended up talking for like an hour and a half. And uh, I think you had to drop your kids off at the school. Maybe they went to school. We don't know at this point. I don't know where they went. They just disappeared and all of a sudden they weren't there anymore. But I loved our conversation deal because we've had so many conversations that are surface level and, oh, we've had some good footy chats. We've been on a few pods together Uh before. But Uh um, the stuff that you were able to talk to me about and the stuff I was able to talk to you about with health, and I've obviously watched your running um, journey, which has been phenomenal. Yeah. I've been. I've, there's been times Thank where you. I've almost felt like I needed to reach out to you and ask you to be like my mentor or my coach. Oh or yeah, like a, like a distant coach. I've. You know what? It's a nice feeling to have that many people, or especially online as well. Sort of randos hit you up, going, "Hey, look, I've, I've I saw that you started from zero and then got to a marathon. What did you do?" And it's always exciting to be able to. I think my biggest achievement last year would have to be being a, an ambassador for Run Melbourne. Like that that idea of representing health was never something I ever thought was in my in my in my wheelhouse. So yeah, it was a really cool chat, and we bounced around so many topics. And I hopefully we can get through a few of those things. Uh, I think one of my, the key ones is I, I, I love the podcast you do, Out of Sanctum. So for those people who might not, uh, our listeners who might not know, uh, how, if you, how would you describe the podcast? Well, we're, we used to be six women. Originally, we were six Hawthorne fans. We're now 10 women who talk about football, but through the prism of inclusion and diversity, which mm. sounds like we're just being politically correct. But the honest truth is, we were challenged by football as much as we have loved it our whole lives and 
we were challenged by the ways in which we were shut out of it. And right. I guess that some of those ways were when, you know, there was disrespect towards women or when we never saw women on boards. Um, yeah. We never commentators, saw yeah. women's voices. Yeah. And very yeah. few commentators. And you know, I mean, back when I was a little girl and dreaming of, you know, playing football, which wasn't even a thought. I think I've said this to you before, Dill. I dreamed yeah. of being a Hawthorne footballer and playing with, you know, Chris Mew and Chris Langford and Gary Bacanara because that was all I knew. And yeah. even I have big dreams all the time, but I never imagined a time when I would see AFLW. It has really been the biggest, probably the most historic and um, life-changing moment for me is to see that yeah. competition in my lifetime. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have dreamed of that. And this is why I was keen to have you uh, 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 chat to Ben in particular, because Ben, you've got a daughter. Your daughter is how old? Uh, so my daughter's six years old, and uh, and I have been uh, really moved. I I've I've actually fallen in love with that with footy because uh, like I migrated over here, uh, so footy wasn't a big thing. It was more soccer. I got into footy as a kid, and it wasn't until I actually had a daughter and I was already back into footy again. Uh, because for a lot of people know, if especially if you work in Melbourne in an office, if you don't talk the footy language, then you don't mm. know how to start a meeting uh, because everyone talks about footy for the first five minutes, eases the tension, then you talk about some bad news. But with and my how else do- would you know how to judge people? Yeah, a hundred. I yeah. I got one job in local government. Right, the only reason I found out later I got the job is because the boss was a massive Collingwood supporter, and the fact that he knew I was Carlton brought pure joy to him, so he could just shit on me every right. day. It's the only I, he talks about. It, he goes, "Look, yeah, you, you kind of didn't have the experience, but the idea that I could just get stuck on you on a weekly basis and like it was, and it was, so, it was so much wow. fun for the." three years I worked there that he just got stuck into me and I'd always bring up the 1995 grand final or we beat Collingwood, yeah. but it didn't matter. It was just like, I can stick shit on him. But what I yeah. love though, with especially with women's AFL or just AFL, I, I, I always have an issue. It's just AFL. But the thing I love about it the most is um, there's a platform for my daughter to get involved. And, and, and it's been really exciting, especially – we're very lucky at Carlton, um, you know, with, especially with Taylor Harris, you know, who is is the pin-up girl, but Minka loves her. She just, she just, it, it, she just already, she doesn't, she struggles to kick a footy, but just to watch it. We watched more women's games of AFL than we did men's last year uh, because it was well, more Well, especially engaging. as a Carlton supporter, why would you watch the men's? <laughs> and also you made the grand final in the women's. I yeah. love the Carlton women's. I actually do, am a... Uh, I am a member of the Carlton women's team. That's yeah. Oh, really? Doesn't, yeah, because Hawthorne doesn't have a licence yet. And um, my husband, uh, as I mentioned, is into footy as well. And he um, is the runner for the Carlton women's team. So my kids, I've got three daughters and just like your daughter, Ben, um, it it lives inside them. They can't, they can't remember a time when there wasn't women's footy. I they know. know that there's a huge celebration around it. And, you know, for all the foibles of the way that the system's been set up, having a summer competition is so fun because we it's go and so sit in the outer fun. and have a picnic and we have some beers and, mm. you know, it's just so fun. The games only go for an hour. They're so much shorter than the men's games. Yeah, we, and for, especially for young kids. Like, it, it, yeah. it started off as just like, you know, even if you watch uh, the men's games, it's like, you know, we started off with just watching a quarter. We've moved to watching then a half. But with the women's game, it's so much more concise. And also the fact that sometimes the pace is a little bit slower, it means that they can watch and keep an eye on the ball and it's not as fast. But mm. I put myself in a bit, of a, a bit of a pickle because the season's coming back and they want their first set of Carlton jerseys. So this is when we were in ISO. The sports store was open. We saw them there. Uh, and it was like, you know, from the AFL, I was like, Daddy, Daddy, can we have it? Both my son, I said, yes, on one condition, if Carlton beats Melbourne. I just realised it's putting a lot of pressure on my team for my kids yeah. to get a jersey. Because, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, Cripps, you know, Kerno, they're, they're doing okay, but we're not in the strongest position. But, but she's so 
excited because then now she's already invested in the game. So now we, you know, when Carlton plays Melbourne, we're just pretty excited that she'll, she'll, you know, she'll get it. But the fact that there's two teams and the better team is the female team, I just hope, I hope it sticks. I think that's what I'm really excited about. That it, my son's already crazy with football, and I didn't encourage that at all. But with Minka, it was that thing. It was like, you know, do you like it? You know, do you, I didn't push it, but the fact that you know there's stars like. Especially, I mean, even Darcy as well. She likes Darcy oh, probably more yeah. just because he's faster and low on the ground and gets more of the ball. But, yeah, it's been – I feel really lucky. And the fact that the first game of women's AFL was at Prince's Park, which is which is I grew up in, North Carlton. It just – it's it feels – I feel really – A, I feel really passionate about it, but also I feel really lucky that my kids get to grow up with a women's AFL team. Like yeah. that, it, that it existed before because I remember playing when I was in the, in primary school, and I remember there were two girls playing in when I was in grade six, and I remember I was just like I was just amazed that they were even playing, and it shouldn't have been like that, but it was if you back then the idea of seeing a girl play footy at the age of twelve it was unheard of. Yeah, and but like giving your kids making them support Carlton does that come under child abuse or surely you'd want to in the men's team it would they're Hawthorne supporters in the men's so um, one of them, or two of them have seen three premierships right exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I did something yeah, so smug. I was pretty subversive. And, you know, I mean, they've seen Carlton play in a final, so that's pretty exciting as well, Carlton women. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. I do a few subversive things because they get so much access to the Carlton women's team and they've, you know, they've done some stuff for the Hawks, which is fantastic too, but, you know, mm. it's just a bit harder with the men's competition yeah. to get that much access. And um, the other day my husband was out and I just grabbed them one at a time and just said, you know, Dad talks a really big game about Carlton, but I just need you to look me right in the eye and acknowledge <laughs> that you are aware that Hawthorne is so much better than Carlton. And you are <laughs> so lucky that you are a fourth generation. You've got Hawthorne yeah. going through your blood. I am the number one ticket holder. It would be bad for you to go against the family. So you need to remember, <laughs> you know, remember who's where you come lasagna. from. Yeah, <laughs> it's like something out of The Godfather. Be careful, don't sure sure go against was. the family. Yeah, exactly. So when you, so you, growing up as a mad Hawthorne supporter as a kid, as you were saying, Emma, you you wanted to play AFL, and you know you just that was the dream, and so the access to be able to do that was obviously so limited or almost non-existent. It, it, was it? didn't exist for me. I was born in 1975, so I'm I turn uh, 45 this year. So one vi- really visceral memory that I have is playing netball. At which at that time, you know, I was wearing a polo shirt and a and a pleated skirt. Like it was very mm. ladylike back in 1970, you know, in the 80s. Yeah. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as fast and it wasn't as um, athletic. So I'm playing a non-contact sport. I end up playing for two different clubs. I was really into sport. Like it was my life. I was obsessed with it. I'd shoot 100 goals before dinner as a kid every Whoa. night. I was really diligent about it. Um, and in the... Um, and in the summer, I would pl- I would do athletics, and I was really obsessed. I would draw pictures of me winning gold medals, and I was obsessed yeah. with the seventy meters, which turns out isn't an Olympic uh, length, which is very disappointing <laughs> for eight year old me when I realised I was never going to pl- right. uh, run in the That's seventy right. meters. Um, <laughs> it's a great distance. I didn't even, it's I didn't distance. know there was a seventy meters. I didn't know there was. 70 oh, there is right. a little athletics. I'm just saying it's a. Yeah. Gr- it, they should really think about bringing it back because it's excellent, right? It's great. It's, it's great. great. Seventy suits little legs um and but I remember standing on the netball court and looking over to the footy oval which was to my right where we played and you know there was you know 20 netball courts and I'd be on one of them and I could see the footy oval and the boys that I went to school with would be in a huddle and they had a change room and they had Mm. a song and they had weird things that they got to do that I'd never got access to I'd never been in a in a footy club room until maybe three or four years ago like yeah, that wow. is just a rite of passage for all of my male cohorts and they didn't yeah. love footy the, the same amount that I loved footy 
And so mm. it always felt, I felt like that's just unfair and what's happening in there and what is in that inner sanctum. And my sisters felt the same. And after netball every single Saturday morning, um, my parents would bundle us up in the car and we would go and watch Hawthorne play, whether it was when playing home games at Prinney Park yeah. um, or then out at Waverley and we'd lose the car and that would be another <laughs> contender for another sport, maybe another <laughs> Olympic sport down the track is how quickly you can find your car. You could not find your car. I think you had to drive back from Waverley, which is far enough as it was. Like, like, yeah, we lived in the out in the Bogan Eastern suburbs. We lived very. I've only, I've so only had to go to Waverley, Waverley twice. One with Limor to do a, a a filming thing we were doing with the Hawks, which was really cool. I got to interview like Ruffhead and and then Isaac Smith and stuff. Uh, and then the other other time I went was when I bought my Hawthorne Guernsey. Uh, to get the, the number printed on it. I wanted number two for Jared Ruffhead. And I they weren't doing it in the, the, the city store. If I did it in the city store, I had to wait a week. But I was like, no, nah, I need my number two today. So I actually went to Waverley in the in public transport, which was like a train and then a bus. <laughs> three and then days. Walking. And three a passport? <laughs> Jeez, I, don't have, I, don't have a, I don't have a driver's license. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, ever need back- to go to Waverley again, can you please just call me? I will drive you out there, my friend. <laughs> That's, uh, and so, so you were pretty active as a kid. Super active. Um, and it was really encouraged by my parents. However, I can't really remember them being that active. I think they played uh-huh. midweek tennis. And from right. memory, they wore matching outfits, which is really yes. creepy. Yes. Like the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. I just, yeah. oh, I love that. I love that. I think that's great. Oh, wow. the, and, that, so and, and of course, Dad, I assume Dad didn't pick the colours. He's like, I guess I'm wearing this. Dad wasn't afraid of a salmon pink. I'm going <laughs> to put on. it right out there. <laughs> I think that they went through a period of both wearing um, Adidas headbands as well. My dad worked for Adidas when we were growing up. And the thing that we had a lot of Adidas paraphernalia a lot of three striped oh, tracksuits but the one like thing the that i wish that i'd kept we had a an adidas ashtray no. oh you know <laughs> Do you still have it i feel like mum got rid of it in the oh. mid 80s when dad was trying to give up his um well, his hills or whatever he smoked that yeah. that's one of those niche it? things that would would you'd see it on antique road show and just go actually someone would pay money for this <laughs> Yeah. It was extraordinary. There were cigarette lighters as well, but we weren't allowed to play with them. But I remember oh. the ashtrays. And, in fact, I reckon in a couple of annual reports, the photo was my dad having a cigarette at his desk with the Adidas ashtray. Brilliant. Punching, Brilliant. punching an, an Adidat. I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I, but uh, this is what I want to get with as well in terms of the, the podcast, The Outer Sanctum. I'm guessing that's where the name came from is that you felt like, the men were always in this inner sanctum of things that you guys wanted to have your own voices in, you know, cause there's so many, the thing I, I, I guess the thing I love so much about AFL that I don't think I've seen in any, most other sports I've seen is, um, is the diversity in the fans. So whether it's, it's income, whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it's age, it's so mixed. And there was a day I almost, I, I reckon I could have come close to tearing up. I saw a three generations of, uh, of Sri Lankan women. And, uh, and I know they're Sri Lankan because we can tell. Uh, we have a secret <laughs> signal. Uh, but it was a grandma, mom, uh, grandma, mom, and daughter. And they were all in Hawthorne colors. And it was like this amazing thing of like, you know, culture and gender, all of it. I was like, this AFL's got so much diversity in the, in the, um, in, in the fans. But then when you looked at the media, uh, you know, it was so, there was a type, you know, let's be honest. Like, it's, it's, especially if you look at one of the, the most prominent broadcasters uh, off footy uh, on radio is Triple M, you'd say. Uh, and I was I remember about maybe 10 years ago, there was a tram with all their hosts and it was just all white men. <laughs> it was just a tram of white men. And there was no and that, women. And that, and, that was, women. and that was just by Everett. He just counts for three people. <laughs> <laughs> We so call it pale, was... male, and stale. That's what we call it. <laughs> pale, male, and stale, right. Yeah, and you're right, Dill. And it's a real strength of, of the code that it has so many fans. Firstly, that the membership numbers exceed anything that really you can see with any other code in the, in the country um, in terms of people who actually go to the football as well. The stadiums okay. need to be 100,000 people. Like, you don't see that in other codes. Um, hmm. And... 
and they are incredibly diverse and and they're also incredibly committed these are people who do pay their memberships and do turn up and are Mm. really vocal and they actually need their own um well they haven't i think they have an association but they kind of need their own union because they they need to be advocated for and especially at the moment you know like they've paid their memberships and and fans are really getting nothing especially some some fans have only some fans have only been in the country 16 years and have 11 year membership i mean that's (laughs) commitment look at that (laughs) <laughs> but, but this is what I find interesting is also the shift that I have because AFLs had to change a lot, uh, both being more inclusive, but also from where footy started. If you go back to VFL, that that some clubs that I probably focus on Geelong probably the most is they've been able to keep that so that local club mentality keep that community keep that quite often that country spirit and then bring the whole community in because some of these you know we're talking i mean i give collingwood as an example it's it's a multi-million dollar you know a lot of these teams are not at the moment (laughs) not at the moment but they churn out a lot of money so i find it really interesting that you know it's a fine balance probably focusing on the clubs that you know you you like because you know dylan i've done a lot of footy club country gigs where that inclusiveness is slowly filtering down and so the AFL had to set the example and you see it slowly filtering down into country clubs it still has a bit of a way to go with some clubs (laughs) (laughs) I I started I tried to hold the laughing and I'm so sorry but I started laughing because by far in my nine-year career of comedy (laughs) one of the most horrendous displays of 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 bad behavior in terms of uh, a footy club was with a gig that me and Ben were at. Yeah, uh, it was just... and, and uh, it, it, we can't talk about it. We can't ever. But but it was it was it was a performer, as in one of the mem- one of the, the the footy one of the guys from the club <laughs> was up performing doing comedy, and it was one of the most racist, sexist, uh, homophobic. Don't forget to chuck that in there as well. Oh, I forgot worst. about the homophobia. That was the main problem. That was, <laughs> was the main problem. Than... Oh, there was so many. He just picked them all. The only thing he wasn't was ableist, I think. But yeah. anyway, it was uh, it was incredible. Uh, but yeah, I just started laughing because you you as you started that... saying it, I'm like you. But you're right. That... that was early on in my career. Yeah, yeah, and that was and that was early because like I think that's when we first delve into those clubs where it was it was that weird like it's different now compared to maybe I one did last mm. year. But it'd be like it's it's the men's footy club and the female. You know, football netball team, but then the president would come up and go, "Yeah, the yeah uh, first played a good game. Uh, we, you know, we lost by sixteen goals, and uh, and the seconds, yeah, you know, like we're building the team, and yeah, the girls did well, didn't they? In what, mate? In what? You, did, you can't even say the you can't even say netball out loud. Like it just it just blew my mind. I was like, come on. We went to a we went to one of those sportsmen's nights. I've been to a couple, and I probably would never go to them again until they start booking us to go in there and you know lecture them via comedy about diversity. But um, I remember being at one, and Luke Hodge was um, the guest, and that's why we got a table and we went along. And it's a, it was a club that one of my sister's kids was playing at. They had the the women like the players in the women's team. Uh, they had them waiting on the tables. So the players were sitting, <gasps> like no. all the players were sitting down, except the women had to serve the meals. Wow. And the um, president of the club interviewed Luke Hodge and his first question was, how old were you when you first had sex? And we were the only table of women there. And someone was like, what are all you Sheilas doing here? And I swear oh this would have been, God. I reckon it was seven years ago. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is, yeah, I'm really not welcome here. Like you've made it very clear that I'm not welcome to even come and sit and listen here. The chances of you making anyone who's feeling nervous about playing coming to play here as a woman, if you think about barriers to sport for women, um, Uh, it was only five years ago they started making jumpers that actually fit women. You know, other than that, we're always wearing men's jumpers. And and it's and, yeah. and how easy is it for us to forget as well that it five years is not too long ago. Like, well, it's and, still if you go to like any of the footy like articles on the Herald Sun or whatever, like they've turned off comments, and which is something that we lobbied for turning off comments when they post things about women's footy because the hate there and the vitriol will turn off any young girl who's interested in footy and is doing Uh, research herself and reads an article about Taylor Harris and then reads the comments, she'll see the vitriol from men who don't feel the way that you guys feel and it will put people off playing. So, you know, they they cry about, 
you know, their right to have free speech, which is writing hateful gendered comments under articles like that. But actually, it's really it's a really big barrier for the sport to be able to grow and succeed and, and you know, for it to ever be equal. And that's where I think it's a generational, I mean, as much as those comments probably are, you know, whoever's hiding behind those anonymous comments, but it becomes a real generational shift as well that, you know, the idea that, you know, maybe in 10, 15 or 20 years that that won't be the case. But, you know, you go to a footy club and if the president is 85 and he lives in wherever, Kilcunda, I'm just making up a town, wherever it is, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like that you just go, you know, you, you're not, unfortunately you're not going to teach that dog new tricks. So it really becomes that top, top down support. And that's, you know, but again, cause like, you know, like you, Emma, like it's people like you with a voice that, you know, cause there aren't that many women out there. Like, you know, when, 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 when Sam came on, it was like, I remember that was a big hoo-ha when it, it shouldn't have been. And when, um, you know, when Kelly Underwood, when she first started commentating, oh, calling the actual play-by-play, which Kelly was the first, and she was championed by David Barham at Channel 10, she was an excellent caller. But the complaints and the vitriol that she received was about, oh, just I just don't like the sound of her voice. It came from men and women, but they just weren't used to it. They just weren't. They weren't open to it and they thought that that space was owned by men. And it's really funny because the commentary has been owned by men. It is still owned by men. You can watch the Channel 7 coverage and you can't see a woman now from siren to siren. You will not see a woman because Sam Lane doesn't do the boundary anymore and you might see Daisy Pierce sometimes. um, But there's fewer and fewer women actually working on the coverage these days and um, which is an indictment when you look at what's happening in world sport and and you also look at the calibre of people like Sarah Perkins who plays for the Hawks in the VFLW and won a premiership with Adelaide. She has the most extraordinary footy brain. She yeah. would be awesome in a commentary box. And you know what happens is when you have women in a commentary box, I know this is meant to be a comedy podcast and I'm getting so oh, serious no. on you, but no, when no. you, um, no, no. Please, when you have women in the commentary box, you don't then have the issues that Triple M has had to face when they've talked about, you know, joked about gynecologists and, and gone into mm. territory that they shouldn't be going into um, <laughs> in a football coverage or ever really on air. And... You don't get that if there's a woman in the room. You just don't. It just changes. It just changes the dynamic of the room. Like you think about that fictional Kilkunda. You know that that president, that fictitious president, would be would have to behave really differently if yep. there was women in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. And I'll, but also, I just want to point out we have a huge listenership in Kilkunda. So, <laughs> and also, uh, just... can I just add? I know the president. I, I just picked one. It was. Are you do really? No, Is it I a real really place? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know why I, I picked Kilkunda. It's a great place. Hey, check out, check out the local. Okay, they don't have any shops, but San Remo does. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till the three of us do a sporties night down at Kilkunda. <laughs> Kilkunda, let us know if you're from Kilkunda or know anyone think, from there. The first time I've heard this. I've first time I've heard the name. To be honest, Kilkunda, I really thought you made it up. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's an actual place. And, and if any cool cunders listen there, I uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, Massive times. shout out to their women's team. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on, on the idea of like talking up and things like that, like you guys on the on the podcast, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you do cop it, but also you guys love, you know, you don't like you, you know, we don't have to go into specifics, but you've told me of instances when you've really stuck it to some pretty high, high up people and let them know how you felt. And they've retaliated as well. Like, if, if you're comfortable, talk, yeah. Like, in terms of the, the old footage show and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess that was, I mean, when we first started the podcast, we didn't think anyone would listen to us. Um, mm-hmm. Because, well, like, we just, we had no template for that. We, but the reason why we, we know started the it. We definitely yeah, know exactly. the feeling. Um, <laughs> but then... Uh, so we started the podcast five or six years ago, actually. So it's been a really long time. It was the year before the women's league started. So we had, we've mostly, we mostly talked about men's because the season goes for so long anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and 15 episodes in, it was actually, yeah, it was this time of the season because they'd had the big freeze and they'd talked about, um, Eddie Maguire had said about, made a joke about holding Caroline Wilson underwater and getting her to do the big freeze and then drowning her. And um, all, most of us um, on the podcast have worked in, done work where we're trying to work on the prevention of violence against women. So language like that is 
on on a broadcast is pretty much unheard of and and nothing that really should go unchecked and it's pretty um irresponsible kind of conversation to be having and none of the media picked it up and and we just mentioned it we didn't really pass too much comment on it we just said we heard this did you hear this no other media had really picked it up and we just we just said what had happened we didn't actually editorialize on it at all we just said that's kind of shocking that no one else picked it up that was kind of the angle we went with and then uh someone wrote a blog about it and then someone else got the transcript um from triple m and you know how things in print look so much worse than when you've Mm. said them i mean Mm. it didn't look it wasn't great either way but it looked pretty bad in print and then oh this podcast would have some bad transcripts yeah. Oh my god! Like the, 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 yeah. if it was taken out of context, I think we'd be arrested. Yeah. So yeah, yes. yes, 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 yes. In yeah. the full context, we're fine. But yeah, yeah. So um, it kind of went, yeah, it went a bit gangbusters after that. And we'd only been doing the show for about fifteen weeks, and yeah. then it just catapulted the whole thing, yeah. which I guess is good because it was a. I mean, it probably wasn't that good for Eddie, but um, it was good because it was a conversation that we had five years ago that we kind of haven't had to have again it was a moment where yeah everyone said no oh yeah no that's not cool like we have been making those jokes but let's not make them anymore so it was a teachable moment like without yeah saying, real like, learning Oprah. experience yeah 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 but again and that that was how, how many years ago that was about five years ago with that comment yeah five years ago and it's so funny because i actually thought it was a lot less because at the time it was just like what are you doing like how are you putting your Like, how do you not know – how many mistakes does one man need to make to be able to actually know the difference? And, like, how many mistakes do you get before enough's enough? Like, that was the other issue I have because I've I've had the pleasure of working on the old footy show and and wow, wow. Like, you know, there there were moments where I was like, how how is this still a thing? You know, like well, I have a nice surprise for you because I have joining us. We have <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Like it's um, got your moment. So, uh, so you guys, so essentially, you became like the people who broke that story. Is it the podcast? Yeah, but we also became the people who ruined footy. Like I think for the media, excuse me. <clears throat> like I think for for the football media and for a lot of the fans, they were like, "Oh, here come the fun police and the political correct yeah. police and blah 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 blah." Um, and we were actually just talking about footy the way we always had. And the reason why we uh-huh. had started the podcast was uh, kind of in relation to it was after the Adam Good stuff, really, that we were uh-huh. all thinking about leaving the game. Like we're all thinking about walking away. And I remember tweeting it saying I'd just been reading Night Games, which is actually the story of a sexual assault that happened um, after uh, Collingwood Grand Final. And um, I was broken by what was going on in our code. And because Mm. I'm a female footy fan, lots of people who aren't footy fans would hit me up and they would say, how can you support this code that is doing this to Adam Goods and, you know, he's covering up sexual assaults and and I really didn't have a good answer. I didn't see that there was much being done in the space. I didn't really see that there was a place for me or that things were changing and, um, and I guess instead of hanging up my boots, I picked up a microphone and kind of built this other platform and to be really honest there's been lots lots of other women's podcasts have started around footy and we have a really great relationship with you know the girls from chicks talking footy which is on joy fm and also with the sirens collective and and even with a lot of the reporters who are female that come out of afl media we all work as a team together and it's a really beautiful synergy of sisterhood and Mm. i don't really think that the the men don't really get that like they're all (laughs) dog eat dog they're they're still really you know they're pretty competitive media so i feel like what we're all building we're all building it together (laughs) and it's not just our podcast and well, the you... Junktown podcast and Two Guys, One Cup, they do do crossovers. I think that might be the only one that they do. That's true. 
That's true. But it, but it's just interesting from a from a like a medium point of view is that for for I know for a couple of people that uh, you know junk time is an example uh, where you know they they've got back into footy through a podcast which is which is also a new format that you just like and, and for someone like me who I do listen to quite a few footy podcasts is because I'm time poor because I've got two young kids I can't watch hours and hours of footage and commentators reflecting on stuff but if I've got a podcast from A to B I get to listen to some stats I get to listen to what's happening behind the scenes and that's where I'm trying to kind of understand that you know currently we're in a pandemic AFL is bleeding pretty hard like teams and that's you know we're looking at opening up community sport uh real soon but at the same time there's gonna be a lot of clubs that aren't left over I was just wondering and where do you think or if you've heard anything where do you see uh, women's AFL going? Because there was a lot of momentum, and and you know momentum's everything in sport. But if, I, what, momentum in a code is is I assume huge. Where do you see it going from here? Just getting bigger. The, the AFLW will ride out this pandemic, and yep. it will not. Um, the AFL won't allow the league to be a victim of this pandemic because right. of the work that they've put in. They cannot undo the work that they've done and they know that. What the impact is, and we're seeing it already at clubs, just last week North Melbourne sacked their AFLW coach who over the two years that they've been in the competition, they've been the premiership favourites in both years and he had only lost three games. And I don't Jeez. think he was on a huge salary um, like I don't think his salary would have been in excess of a hundred grand or anything like that, yeah. and and they sacked him, and that that is, I mean, f- that sends a real warning shot, I think, for what the reality is at clubland and and how tight money is for clubs, especially clubs like North and St Kilda. I guess is another I mean, club that might be North struggling. is an example of. I mean, you know, take away from a club, but financially has never been on top of it. <laughs> in any particular way. Like, you know, I think they were the first, you know, club to lose, what, you know, 80% of their staff in the first week. Like, like it's it's just interesting. But that that's really interesting because why – so who's coaching the women's team then? So this it's is what you. happens a it's lot. It's you, Emma. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> what I would have liked to have seen is maybe uh, the coach, Scott Gowans, go to half pay and, and, and 50% of his time or something like that because yeah. he was really building something. And, you know, North were about to have premiership success that they haven't had in the men's competition and um, they'd really mm. built something extraordinary. So they basically um, have you someone who's already on staff there who works in um, recruitment, I think, for the men's um for the men's program, which is what we see a lot happening is, you know, it'll be someone who's already working in the men's stream. And, and the challenge, the challenge in that is, well, it's very rarely pretty much never a female coach and, you know, coaching pathways for women is a huge issue. And if you can't have women coaching and using the AFLW as a development place for your coaching in its fourth year of existing, um, then I'd, I re- it kind of blows my mind. Like, I, I really do believe that there should be incentives for having more female coaches. I think we need affirmative action because otherwise we'll never have female coaches. Right. You heard it I mean, here first. We'll see that in the paper you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Your real newsbreakers here. Oh, man, massively. Have you not? Oh, God. Like, every time. every It's so annoying. Every time we, news.com just runs with uh, every single thing. Stop it. i got no, things um, to do. <laughs> I uh, I did. I remember you saying something interesting, Emma. That you know, it's like you sort of. It's a bit disheartening uh, how slow it is, but there's also kind of a sense of hope as well because things are happening, even though it's at a snail space. Yeah, I feel like the distance that we've travelled is so great, but it just takes a really long time. And mm. there's some things that I will hope for in the progress of the work that we do, and a lot of the work that I do is in advocating for players and for the code and for advocating for Uh women in sport generally. And I do that in lots of different capacities, lots of different jobs that I have. Um, But there's some things that I'll see in my lifetimes, my lifetime, and there's some things that I won't, but they're things that just by the pure nature of your gender, you have never had to even think about. And, um, and, and I think sport should be for everyone. I don't think it Mm -hmm. should be for privileged people. I don't think it should be, I think it should be, 
um, easy to access and it should be welcoming and all people should be able to participate if they want to participate. And I think clubs are getting better at that. You know, imagine mm. two years ago saying there's going to be a wheelchair footy competition and there's going to be a Hawthorne team and they're going to, you know, play Richmond and you wouldn't have believed it, but it no. happened. And that's how quickly yeah. change can happen when the right people are asking the right questions, you know? And I feel like we're seeing that because net more, more. I feel like we're seeing that more than ever. Uh, you know, like, and that's where I want to see probably the government step in a bit more. Like, I, again, sports bodies should control themselves. But we've just seen how quickly change can happen from a government perspective. Everything from free childcare to doubling the doll. Like, I just feel like at the moment now, there's a real push to have substantial change and happen really, really quickly because everyone's kind of scrambling to survive. You just the the important thing is to protect the code in its current format, which is a men's team and a female's team. And yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, um, you know, I see a real opportunity here, deal for us to get a Hawthorne license, which I'm really pushing for because it's Hawthorne no. are fin- <laughs> we're financially viable. We can support, and so can Essendon. We can. We're already supporting a program that um is equal to an AFLW program in the VFL, but the VFLW yeah. may not go ahead this year, and the reason for that is because, well, I think one of the reasons is. Well, obviously COVID, but um, because the teams that have an AFLW affiliated team that are in the VFLW, um, they they've had to put off so much staff and they yeah. don't have the infrastructure. So there's a couple of clubs that, that fall outside of that in the VFLW. So Darabin Falcons is one and then Hawthorne and um, Essendon as well. And so that means that if there's no VFLW, then the women who play for those teams, they won't get to play for 18 months to two years. And yeah. we don't get, oh. and so we do lose momentum there, which is exactly what you were saying, Ben. It's a real yeah. issue. Yeah. yeah, and there's only but, so much. But, but at, at least, as you pointed out before, Emma, there's that option to you know bring the drinks and stuff to the tables, like uh, <laughs> that footy club you were at. You know, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, they can that. serve the meals. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and there's they always the kick meals. to kick in the park. I mean, what are you complaining about? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then um, the thing that gets me right, this is what really gets me, is that then when. AFLW comes back or whatever and someone misses a goal from 35 metres out on the run or whatever and they go and all of the naysayers get on the Herald Sun website and they're all like, oh, the skills aren't good enough. I'm like, yeah, because they just didn't play for 18 months and they've been working as a nurse and saving people's lives <laughs> yeah. on the front line and they get paid, know. you know, $30 to play footy. So We invented a thing last week called COVID kilos, which is that, like, you know, you take a certain amount of uh, – uh, you, it's like a inflation to your scales. Like if yeah. the scales are showing a new number, you have to like be kinder to yourself with a certain amount of COVID kilos. So I think right. I would encourage the you know the uh, AFLW to have versions of that, like a COVID miss. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, just give totally. a little bit of sympathy towards that. And also, yeah. I reckon, I reckon, like even if, if 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 you do have a background, if you are a AFL player playing in a women's competition and you have a background in health or you're a nurse, surely you get like I don't know an extra ten meters on every every kick like surely you should be rewarded in some way emergency because... service workers free yeah. kicks and yeah, extra... totally. yeah, yeah. No, it's a great idea it's a great like, idea yeah. i just love it that you know already have emergencies on the team so now you just have them the thing i guess i, I find as fascinating is because like that what you said uh, uh, a little while ago about how much because of your love of afl is what kind of led you to being more active as well and 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 I think that's so exciting to know that that yeah that you know this next generation does have something to aspire like actually visualize that thing, and so once you got out of once you sort of uh, after school and stuff what if, what did you continue doing in terms of uh, fitness and stuff? It was yourself. always running. Running stayed with me. The distance just changed. Like when I was yeah, little, similar to seventy five meters. Yeah, I went to seventy five <laughs> and then. Um, uh, so I, so I, run, running has always been with me, and I think it might be because my surname is Race. It feels oh, like it's part of, of me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, why did we think of that? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I do a I do a pun title for every episode and just race is just going to like, I'm going to implode. We're trying to, you know, with too many options. <laughs> yeah. It'll uh, be yeah, the only on. podcast episode that has 17 titles that you can choose. Yeah. From. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll just call yes. it race riot and just get extra <laughs> <laughs> downloads. <laughs> Thought you might do that. <laughs> yeah. we, we'd get a lot of um, downloads. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, not the people that you want knocking on the door, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Uh, I- I think the thing about footy is I I always wanted to play because I wanted to know what it was like to use my body. And I've spoken to so many um, female players who talk about how great it is to know what your body's capable of. And so for right. most of my life, I've not known what my body's capable of. I've never been in a fist fight. I've never pushed myself. I've never been bumped. You know, like I've played yeah. netball and, and the 70 metres, you get your own lane. So, you know, there wasn't too much um cat fighting going on or anything like that so I think I I always wanted to test myself and the test came for me I mean I had three children in four years that was a pretty massive mm. physical that is test a, for that's me huge physical change like that, yeah, that's quite the bu- that's quite the bump really I mean that, oh, yeah just... that was a massive bump I mean, that's the reason bit... why we're not going a third for that particular reason. Like, you know, part yeah. of can't, it is the, what your body goes through. That's 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 three premierships right there. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, which is why my children's names actually are, you know, all the names of the Buccanara, uh, Don Scott. <laughs> Luke Hodge is a beautiful name for a girl. Um, so, so after I'd had, um, I think after I'd had my second daughter I started running again and the running was just great for my brain you know like when I was a surly you know teenager into my 20s I still played netball but for some reason I was too busy reading who magazine or something to set myself physical challenges to go for massive runs or do you know and did you go like how soon after you had the second sorry not to get into detail but how did your pelvic floor not fall out I know I did and it's still on St Kilda Road I I haven't gone back to pick it up (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think I did one before, I did one half marathon before I had my third child. And then after I had my third child, six months after I had her, I did my second half marathon, which was bad. It was bad. It was really ugly. I shouldn't have done it. It was really bad. And then another couple of months after that. So that was. When when you say, uh, it was bad, was it the the toll on your body or the the training or the race day itself? Yeah, I didn't do the training. I wasn't as good with. I thought. I think I thought I still had that muscle memory in my legs from the time before. Mm. Um, and the time before, I'd been training by doing personal training and also doing running. So I was probably doing three running sessions and two personal training sessions a week um, to get uh-huh. myself fit for that. And I remember the day I decided that I really wanted to do it was when the um, Iron Man was on in Melbourne, and a girl I know was competing in the Iron Man, and. I just couldn't quite believe the distances she was doing. I thought, God, if yeah. she can do that, I can run ten kilometers, and I'm going to go. Had out she and given run birth today. Though? No, she hadn't. No, yeah, and yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I ran out and I ran ten that day, and it broke a barrier I had in my brain. I think I'd been my whole life. I'd thought I was lazy, which is such a weird oh, concept, right? For like someone I had who was in... so active. Yeah, like... I think, and when. I think when I think back to it, look, I, I think I know where it comes from and I don't think that the person levelling that criticism at me was meaning lazy physically. I think uh-huh. it was just like, you know, clean up Applying yourself. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, and, where but, do you sit in terms of siblings? What's your missing? I'm the youngest. Makeup? Yeah, I'm the youngest. Right. But you know what was a huge influence was my sister. My eldest sister started running half marathons. And so I saw her doing it. I thought... Oh, this is some, and actually, I had taught her how to run. She hadn't known how to right. run distances, and then in the time that I had my three kids, she just kept going and ended up running a marathon, which I couldn't quite believe. She ran it when I was pregnant, and the visceral feeling of like, oh, how did you do that? And I had all this baby everywhere. You yeah. Know? Um. Yeah. So then, yeah. So I trained pretty hard for the first one, and then I had I came back too quickly after the third baby and the second half marathon. And when I say it was bad, it was just. All my ligaments, you know, all your ligaments and everything stretches in funny ways when you're pregnant. And oh, um, your I've hips, had, your just, hips, yeah. Like I don't it, know how you do it. And no core strength because I'd like I'd had three. I'd had emergency cesarean and then two other cesareans. Did your stomach so muscles no. pull apart? Did... No, they. I don't think they. They got cut or like you know I got cut because I had cesareans so there was a lot of repairing to do there and I've never really regained that strength like I just I don't think I had it to begin with to be honest so the second one I just used my big muscles in my legs and my butt to compensate for that to compensate and my lower back really blew up 
at about 17 kilometres and my oh. running partner pretty much had to carry me. It was bad. I mean, not as bad as Rob Decastella. Four kilometres. Yeah, wow. yeah, she did. She kind of had to talk me through, but then it was what great. Well, that's nice, though, that you... What a trooper. <laughs> She might have said a couple of times, I told you you weren't ready. She might have said something like oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if she's carrying you. I'd be throwing them down left, right and said, I told you. How many times? I know. <laughs> Did um, I? The thing that sticks with me about that is there was a girl running with us and she had really, I think she was like on the keto diet. She had the worst breath. And every time she exhaled, all I could smell was this girl's breath. And I was like, oh, oh. I just have to. I have to regain my strength to be able to run past that girl who hasn't eaten carbs <laughs> in like 10 years. That was my I only... I didn't know keto breath. Is that a thing? I didn't know that keto uh, I've heard uh, it's can a thing. have that effect. Yeah, I've heard, it's, I've, I've, I've heard yeah. of keto breath before that it's just it's like death coming out of your mouth. Yeah, right. I, think I've, I know I've got no carb asshole, which is just farting <laughs> heaps of beans. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be... It's like the smell of your, your stomach intestinal oh, it's the smell right. of be- it's the smell of being unhappy that you've had to go to keto <laughs> yes. uh, now that you've done it now our keto listeners who love keto are gonna fucking have a go at us oh, I want to meet so- I want to meet someone who's got kids who's doing keto that's what I want to do one look we've discussed over and over again each to their own each, that everyone's on their own journey you? everyone's on their own journey own journey go for it please don't totally. attack me I've uh, done so keto attack, attack attack Ben please I did keto <laughs> For like a morning and then it got to lunchtime and I had a sandwich and didn't do keto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done one of um, everything. I've done. I've told you this, Jill. I've tried one of everything. I just love yeah, it. You're like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a 9 to 11 keto kind of girl. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keto um, for breakfast. Do you, uh, it's like a new intermittent fasting version of it. You do keto in one particular period. Did you, um, I suppose that's a good place to ask. So, so in terms of diet, uh, have you uh, ever found anything that has really worked for you? Uh, like a method yeah. or, or a philosophy? Not eating shit. Bingo. Like, that's hard put to it on a t-shirt. Being, like actually being accountable and doing the right thing 90% of the time. Like not when I say the right thing, there's no bad food, only bad choices yeah, or whatever bad, that's Or saying, bad, you know. bad quantities maybe. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. No bad whatever. Food, that whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's no um, such thing as anything bad to put in your mouth. Heroin, just a little bit. 90% of the time you can just have a crack. You put it heroin in your mouth? You've clearly yeah, never done it. I don't think you put it in your mouth. <laughs> well, that shows you how innocent I am and how little about drugs I Unless you're I know. shooting it up in your gum still, then we really need to talk. <laughs> Again, to the listeners... Don't try it. And if you do, we're not judging you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. So just like having, what were you saying? Not eating shit. Yeah. And I think as I've got older, I've realized what feel, what makes me feel better. You know, I, I really, uh-huh. I really love eating greens. I love eating tuna. I love eating. There's lots of things that are great for me that I really love eating. And for me, it's just, it's not that I, don't enjoy eating healthy food. It's probably preparation time, laziness, tiredness. You know, mm. it's it's those things. And so I guess I do my head in a bit about that when I'm when I'm not getting it right and I'm feeling terrible about myself because mm. I'm not getting it right. Then I I really feel like I've let myself down because it's been you know not being organized or something like that. But it's it is. But the challenge is real. The struggle is real when you've got three kids and exactly. you've been homeschooling them for eleven weeks. Exactly. And exactly. someone's got to be at home with them all the time. Yeah. And you know, the challenge is real. So I've really I've taken to heart something you said to me the other day, Dill, which is, you know, it's the it's the person at at their heaviest. It's that's the person that does the, the work. The before shot. The yeah. Before yeah. shot does the work. And so that's kind of changed something in my brain a little bit. But I think oh, I also yeah. put things off a little bit. I go, oh, this is going to be hard. And what if I fail? Um, and then I just right. talk, I talk not- myself round and round. This could all this can all happen within like a one-minute window, by the way, or it can happen of over course. a series and of also, days. And I don't know about you, Emma, but especially I've been exactly the same. I've, over the 11 weeks I've been at home with the kids. And in that period I have stacked on one COVID kilo, which the comparison is that's nine kilos. Now, what... <laughs> 
and that 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 is the most I've put, that is the most I've put on in the whole time that Dylan and I have been doing this podcast. But what I found really hard was like, yeah, but I had to remind myself that. I'm looking after two kids. I'm feeding them all the healthy food I can. I'm trying to set an example. I'm trying to be organized. I'm trying to do food prep. I'm trying to make it fun. But after a while, it's like, you've also got to be kind to yourself. Like, who knows where we are, unprecedented times. And yes, I did make love to that cheesecake at 9 p.m. at night. And 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 I was very present at the time. But also, I was like, afterwards, instead of just hating it, I was like, look, that's that's where we're at. It is, it is really hard. Because I can't even imagine what three would be like. Like, two enough as it is but then chucking a third like that's that you got a you got a full basketball team there like it's just yeah almost and you know this is probably quite full-on to say but um i admit that i i eat when i'm feeling emotional or out of control with my emotions and um, oh that's not full-on at all that's like (laughs) one of the lightest things we've had i mean that's something we talk about regularly so you're very much in in this in a safe wheelhouse yeah, well, then you'll enjoy this um, punchline, which is that my best friend died two weeks into COVID because she'd had cancer for five years. So I had to. We haven't had a funeral for her yet. I was mourning her wow. while I was homeschooling the kids and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I can and I look. Maybe I could have done it better, but I think in my mind, I was like, I feel like when that happens, it's not going to be a good time for me. And no, not at all. It was, it was a really bad time, and there was a bad set of circumstances for me to have the infrastructure set up to really look after to myself with the way I needed to. Yeah. yeah. And also you don't... I think that... Thing- yeah, go do it. I, all, I just wanted no, to say that, said- A, sorry yeah. for your loss, and that is so hard, but then even more heightened for the fact that you're at home. Like, you've got to put on a face, not a face, but you've got to be there for your children under, you know, explaining what the hell corona is, at the same time going through the grief process. Like, to then expect or try and be on top of whatever you're eating because you know, Dylan and I we talk about we're emotional eaters as well but god I can't even I can't even imagine to be honest I can't mm. even comprehend it yeah it was you know to to be fair when I said it's in our wheelhouse definitely that was above <laughs> our wheelhouse <laughs> <laughs> it was above yeah. our pay, above our pay grade. Yeah. No, but I do appreciate. Obviously, I'm being very silly uh, about it. Um, we we have had people, l- <laughs> but uh, but it is a thing as well. I think it's this. It, it's so basic in in principle, but it's actually qu- quite impactful. Is this idea of being kind to yourself? Is that there are moments where the kind thing I think for me the kind thing to do is to allow myself that sweet treat or that fried chicken that that I'm craving at the moment because I'm feeling uh, you know lonely or sad that in that moment that's the kind thing to do but I think if you think of what's the kind thing to do to yourself at some point the tipping point goes to that point where if it's like 30 days of overeating then the kind thing to do would be to cut back on it like it's still uh, comes back to ultimately what is the kindest thing you can do for yourself right now and maybe three days of having a binge uh of you know in, in for some people's cases i suppose if you're doing it like like alcohol or whatever if that's what might get you through it in a weird way that it might be the kind thing to do for that moment but if it if it's continues to carry on and you don't find alternative ways to cope with it then i think that'll be the unkind action like it's yeah. almost like there's no it's it just in that moment what is the best action for you. And sometimes it is for me eating ice cream as soon as I wake up, you know, and so, which has happened uh, multiple times in this, in this virus. Um, But you know, I think you're right about that. And the thing I always like to remember is that I'm really just a run away from feeling good and feeling Uh like I'm back on track. Like Mm -hmm. I can wake up tomorrow and before I do anything else, I can walk my dog for 10 kilometers listening to a podcast and that's kind to myself and I love it. Like it's a guilty pleasure. And I think that that's what, you know, Ben, I think that that's really been the tricky thing being home with little kids through this time because I haven't been able to do that and you probably haven't either. And then there's triggers. Like I find being a parent and having to cook for them every night things that, are right for them every night and not yep. right for me every night, but I don't want to cook five meals. And or yep. um, even yeah. doing the grocery shopping, I find it really triggering. And um, because I feel like down every aisle, I'm face to face with another nemesis, whether it's Tim Tams or Doritos. Or, can I, can I know, give you a, a tip? 
that I've I, uh, I I've done it twice. I've done it twice now. I, I'm the one who does all the shopping, and I throughout COVID I would uh, buy stuff and then kind of either eat it in the car on the way home, or then hide it in a cupboard. And I do what Dave O'Neill talks that we just do cupboard eating. So what I did is like, and I hadn't heard this. I just thought I'll give it a go. So what I do is I do shopping, and then in the in the trolley I just stack it with all the stuff. Like I'd buy, I'd like, you know, almond fingers, Tim Tams. I just load it up and I do the rest of my shopping. And when I get to the line, I just put it all aside. Like, it's like I've bought it, but I haven't eaten it. It's kind of the joy of buying it. And then I feel bad because someone has to put it back on the shelves. But <laughs> but at that moment, it, I've done it two weeks in a row and I haven't brought anything home. But the joy, like it, I sort of giggle and laugh. I'm like, oh, someone's having a lot of Doritos. And a couple of looks from other people going, Jesus Christ, what's this guy? Is, is he is he got a kid's birthday party? No, it's just me thinking, well, how amazing it would be to gorge on it and then put it aside and then feeling really good that I didn't buy it. But I had it for that brief t- period of time. This is next level. So does it satisfy you to yeah. put is your is your trolley your mouth? Yeah, well, satisfies the, the, the you. front trolley, the, the seat section where I used to put my, uh, yeah, no, no, not a toddler anymore. But I just open it up, and then like it just feels it's like a little smorgasbord. I sort of walk around with it, and then do the rest of the shopping on the shopping list. And at the end, I just put it all away. And it, it's happened. This is the first. It's, I've only, this is my second week. I did it today, and it works. Like I haven't brought for two weeks. Right. I haven't brought anything home, and it, and it's kind of funny. Like I was like, oh how, many, oh what's this? Oh, chocolate covered whatever. We've never bought these before. I'm not buying them. I'm just tricking myself to buy them. Right. So it's but like there's trying a, there's... stuff on that you never that you can't afford. Yeah. Like it's oh. like going into an expensive shop and trying on a Chanel or something and then, oh, will I get it? No, I don't think so. I might come back later. Yeah, that's so true. And to be fair, Ben, to be fair, because you shop at Aldi, you can just put it anywhere and it's all yes, they have, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's I'll... just next to the pinball machine and all that sort of stuff anyway. But I've had about... experience with that. Uh, sorry, I have had experience with that with my cheat days where I have a craving midweek, I'll say, for like uh, McDonald's. And just the and I have a note that I uh, on my phone that I would put in the things that I want to have on cheat day. And the weird, weirdly, the idea of when I just type it in, and say McDonald's Big Mac with chips, it just almost starts to remove, like it's a weird thing where the craving is now a physical thing in my hand and I can just observe it and it somehow starts to distance itself from me. It's a really strange feeling. Yeah. <laughs> again, I just, I just play, I just play with it. I hadn't heard anything. I was like, let's see if this works. Cause it's been a tough bloody 10 weeks of just yeah. trying to gorge on shit or, you know, and I try to convince myself not eating 10 wheat beaks at night was, was, you know, me being healthy, you know, like it was just that thing. I was like, how can I get this enjoyment? But yeah, who knows? We'll see yeah. how long we'll come. We'll you come know, back. you talked about the secret eating in the car and, um, <laughs> Only you and that little tiny piece of upholstery underneath your chair where you wipe your hands know the secret of what you've really eaten in the car, right? Um, But if that little bit of upholstery could talk. Um, My biggest fear is either like dying because I have a car accident because I'm trying to eat a golden gate home and do a hook turn or something and Mm -hmm. then or dying in a food court that I shouldn't be in like that something happens at a big like you know supermarket or something and they go oh and Emma Race was also sitting at the food court at 10 a.m right. eating a plate of honey soy chicken or some shit like that oh, right, and I right. go like that's what stops me not the trolley I, stuff but they're like what happens if what happens if I die in this moment and they go like in Strictly, she had a golden gate time in her hand <laughs> as she drove into traffic or something. We need to start wrapping up, sadly, but I just want to have a question that I have. You, so you've done a couple of halves uh, and your husband does a lot of the full marathons and stuff like that. Um, have you ever thought about doing a, a full marathon yourself? And if yes or no, why? I've thought about it a lot. I'm not sure uh-huh. that... I- I think that I'm interested in doing the training for a full marathon and maybe then not actually doing the full marathon. And I said, I had been giving it some thought. I think what I really want to get back to is running uh, 15s, like on a weekend, being able to go out and run 15 
because I find that really fun. Like I want to be able to run at mm-hmm. least 15. I know that for my body, if I can run 15 without it taking over my whole life, then I know mm-hmm. that I'm doing all the other right things. And, you know, with that third half that I did, my training was just, I just nailed it and I didn't overtrain. I didn't use my legs heaps. I didn't get heaps of Ks in my legs. But what I did was heaps of hills and a few fart ah. legs and then um, and then a bit of strength training and then I would run maybe a 15 on the weekend and a 7 or something. But I saved most of it for doing right. the actual day and, and everything else was just being really diligent with the hills and the fart leg stuff. And that really and- got me through. I, I had a really nice time. I cruised and, in fact, got a chance to carry my friend who carried me in the previous one. Oh! <laughs> Clap it out. Clap it out. Clap That's- it out. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Listening to Lean On Me as you're running <laughs> <laughs> and, um, thank you so much for doing this, Emma. Uh, where can people find you? What are your social medias and podcasts and things that people can follow you on? Yes, you can follow me. I'm at Mzianna um, on mm-hmm. Twitter, which is E M S Y A N A. Mzianna on Twitter, and um, was I'm Emma, Emma Mart was Emma Mart taken? <laughs> it was taken. <laughs> Manamana was taken. Um, <laughs> and on Instagram, I'm Emma Race 7 And you can follow the Outer Sanctum. We release a podcast every Wednesday. It comes out of the ABC, so you can get it on your ABC Listen app, or you can get it from wherever you choose to get your podcasts. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Ben. We'll put some of the plugs uh, after this uh, because we are running out of time on our little Zoom call. Uh, But thank you so much, Emma. Uh, This has been uh, uh, so, so wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing your time. Uh, go enjoy that lasagna you were making. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Uh, lovely to meet you, Ben. Yeah, you. lovely to meet you see too, you. Emma. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, uh, of course, you can, uh, of course, head to Patreon uh, and get behind our little podcast for only $5 a month and you can listen to some bonus, bonus, bonus eps. Uh, we've got our next monthly one coming up soon. A lot of great feedback mm. on the Bonnie episode and also a lot of great feedback on our recent episode uh, with smoking, uh, people have uh, oh, yeah. really uh, hit us up to say thanks. Uh, taking it up. For, yeah, if it's <laughs> <laughs> for taking it up. Um, but, yeah, it's been really uh, people saying, hey, look, you know, I'm trying to break the habit. or uh, And, uh, yeah, it's just nice to, to uh, hear from That's you awesome. guys. So, again, uh, let us know how you're going on the socials. Uh, but we really appreciate um, it. And, of course, uh, and look. Uh, yeah, fit, socials are Fitbed Pod. Yep. Durok J. Derek J, uh, Amazon still streaming. Check them out. Check us out. Check, check. <laughs> uh, see the, uh, my stand-up special bundle. I was, I think I was channeling Dave Hughes. Yeah. Check us out. Check us out. Uh, every time. And yeah. all that. Uh, but cool. Yeah, cool. I will see you next all right, week. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Thank you so much. Yeah, Emma. Cheers, boy.